From Jericho to Jerusalem and Jonah to John, Daily Bread with Pastor Bradley Booth gives you spiritual insights that make the Bible come alive. In heaven, there will be no bullies. We won't have to worry about someone stealing our lunch money at school, or our lunch for that matter. We won't have to live in fear of the biggest, baddest guy blocking the hallway so we can't pass. We won't have to worry about the most popular girl in high school bullying us on all the forms of social media. Remember all that when you were a kid? If you are still a kid, then you're in good company. Your parents had to live with bullies too when they were young. Bullying has always been a problem, but it seems to be growing legs in ways we have not seen before. Bullying can come in many forms. It can be physical or verbal. It can be mental or emotional. It can be done in person or even on cyberspace. Bullying can be done at school, on the playing field, or at the office. It can be done racially and in the form of sexual harassment. It can even cause suicide. At least one in four has been bullied at school, and bullying in the workplace continues to be a problem. Litigation has no doubt helped prevent the worst forms of it, but it will likely continue for both men and women. Competition and inequality and jealousy will see to that. So, why do boys bully? Good question, and one that has many answers. Most boys were picked on as kids themselves. Some want to punish people they don't like. Some feel insecure or inadequate or unloved. They want attention for all the above reasons. Peter warns us against all kinds of bullying because it's just not nice. He says we should have compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. 1 Peter 3.8 When we get to heaven, bullies will be a thing of the past. Like Satan, the father of bullies, they will be absent. Instead, we will all treat each other fairly with kindness and loving consideration. Why? Because we will all be like Jesus. No more loneliness or depression. Do you ever suffer from feelings of loneliness? Unusual sadness? Depression that lasts for more than a day? Most people do it sometime in their life, and it can have a crippling effect. Research shows us that one in ten will suffer some form of clinical depression at some time in their life. Depression can cause changes in appetite and sleeping patterns. It can cause anger, irritability, anxiety, and crying spells. Many people who suffer from depression are not able to concentrate. They have a loss of energy and feelings of worthlessness and guilt. Some even have feelings of death and suicide. All these symptoms can make it hard to live a normal life. But there are ways to cope with depression. Number one, be sure to stay connected to your friends. Do things together and share your feelings with them. Number two, exercise on a regular basis for at least 30 minutes a day. Number three, do things that make you feel good about yourself, like getting enough sleep, listening to relaxing music, and spending time in the sunshine every day. Number four, eat a healthy diet rich in all the right nutrients, including vitamin B. Minimize the sugar and avoid caffeine, alcohol, and foods with lots of trans fats. Number five, 
Challenge yourself to think only positive thoughts. And number six, get professional help. God has given us each new day to make the best of our circumstances in this world. More importantly, Jesus died that he might redeem us and give us an eternal home in heaven. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he keeps his promises. Hebrews 13, 5. Heaven will be a reality in the very near future. When we walk the streets of gold, all the feelings of loneliness and despair in this life will be gone forever. No more sadness. No more depression. No more anger or tears. Jesus will be there to greet us personally at the eternal gates of glory. What a day that will be. I can hardly wait. And that's another good reason to go to heaven. Poverty forever gone. Poverty is one of the worst curses sin has brought to our world. It causes pain and sadness and poor health to billions. Those who live in poverty are usually among the uneducated. They live in tent cities or shanty towns and may even be homeless. The latest figures tell us 1.4 billion people in the world live at the poverty level, many of them subsistence farmers, street people, and beggars. That means they are living on an average of just $1.25 a day. Unfortunately, children are often the victims of such conditions. Research tells us 21,000 children die every day worldwide as a result of poverty and its causes. Over 2 million kids in poverty die every year for lack of immunization alone. And an additional 1 million die yearly from malaria. These facts and figures are sad indicators that our world's general population is poorer now than ever before. But we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus told us this would be the case right down to the end of the world and that we should help them as much as possible. To the ancient people of Israel, he said, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger so they can continue to live among you. Leviticus 25, 35. But someday soon, poverty will end once and for all. When we reach our heavenly home across the great galaxies of time and space, there will be no one who lacks for anything. Not food, or nice clothes, or clean water to drink and bathe in, or healthy bodies, or a roof over our heads, or transportation, or equality with one another. You see, heaven will be a place where we have enough of everything. As Solomon once said, those who pursue righteousness and love will find life, prosperity, and honor. And that's another great reason to go to heaven. The End of Common Colds The common cold is just that, common. So common, in fact, that we think of it as part of our everyday life. But it shouldn't be. Common colds can be brutal and are a nuisance at best. They give us sniffles, headaches, earaches, runny eyes, achy muscles, and the list goes on and on. We lose sleep when we get a cold. We tend to be more grumpy and have less ambition. We aren't as productive. Common colds cost us billions of dollars yearly in cold remedies of all kinds. Aspirins, stuffy nose medications, liquid gels, sleep aids, eye drops, nose tissues, teas, 
and natural homeopathic herbs, of course, and they cost us billions more in lost wages due to sick days needed to cope with the symptoms. Quite likely, then, the common cold could be properly called public enemy number one. Everybody gets colds. In fact, the average person suffers from two to four colds every year. And did you know that every cold you get is a brand new attack on your immune system by a virus you never had before? It's true. Of the estimated 200 common cold viruses known to medicine, you will likely never get sick from one of them a second time for as long as you live. And the worst part of getting a cold is that we could avoid most of them. If we eat more healthfully, like more fruits and less sugary foods, if we drink more water, get more sleep, and insist on a lifestyle that involves less stress, we will have far fewer colds each year, if any at all. Unfortunately, in this world, we will have sickness. It's one of the curses sin has brought into our lives. Fortunately, the Word of God has words of encouragement for you and me. If we surrender ourselves to the miracle man from Galilee, he will arise with healing in his wings. Malachi 4.2 When we walk through those pearly gates one day soon, we will say goodbye to the common cold forever. You can bank on it. And that's another good reason to go to heaven. You will live forever. Don't you wish that you could live forever? Don't we all? Surprisingly, lots of people say no to that question until, of course, they are lying on their deathbed. Then they would give every dollar they have to get even one more week of life. Millions squander their health every day with the sleep they don't get, the fatty foods they eat, and the alcohol and sugared sodas they drink. But when it comes right down to it, we all want to live forever. We were made that way. We were made to live forever. We may have so many chaotic pressures in our lives that we wonder now and then if it's really worth it, but we all desire life. One day soon, the skies will split open. Jesus will come, and we will have received eternal life with the Father. But for now, we must live in a limited capacity. David says, The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. Psalms 90, verse 10. According to the Bible record, Methuselah lived longer than any other person on earth, 969 years of age. That's a long, long time. But even that incredible lifespan was very short when compared to an eternity with God. Think of it like this. Once every thousand years, a little boy comes to a beach and puts a grain of sand in a bottle. He continues to do this once every thousand years. By the time all the grains of sand on all the beaches of the earth have been put in all the bottles that have ever been made, eternity with God will have just begun. That's how many years you and I will get to live if we choose to accept Jesus as our Savior. Forever. And thus we shall always be with the Lord, says Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. That's a long, long time and a very good reason for all of us to go to heaven. No more prejudice or discrimination. 
Which comes first, prejudice or discrimination? Discrimination or prejudice? Like the query about the chicken and the egg, that question can be a confusing one. Prejudice and discrimination can be powerful forces for evil, and they usually go hand in hand. Prejudice can be defined as an illogical or unfair feeling of dislike for a person or group because of race, gender, religion, etc. Discrimination, on the other hand, is the practice of treating individuals or groups unfairly and differently from other people groups. Prejudice demonstrates itself in hideous ways. It might be that a landlord rents an apartment to one person and not another because of his race. A company might give pay raises to men's CFOs, but not to their women counterparts. Teachers might give passing grades to some students and not others for religious reasons. In the end, this unfair treatment ends up being a form of discrimination. So then, prejudice and discrimination are one and the same. One causes the other. It's a shame, and both make life miserable for the have-nots. Those who have the power practice discrimination. Those who are racially or spiritually snobby exercise prejudice. These behaviors are neither godly nor Christ-like, which is why they won't be found in heaven. Inside the pearly gates, God has promised that all people will be considered equal and treated as such. No prejudice, no discrimination, no painful aftermath of bigotry or inequality or injustice. Because of Jesus' death for us, we will all be treated as children of God. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.28. And that's another great reason to go to heaven. There's an old adage that says, one should never discuss politics at the dinner table. And it makes sense. Other than religion, politics has probably divided more families, more churches, and more nations than almost any other issue on earth. If we are liberal in our political persuasion, some will think we are too progressive. If we are conservative in the laws we legislate, many will think us too archaic. In politics, those who wish to use a strong military as a deterrent to war will be judged as the enemy of peace. Those who wish to throw money at every social problem will be accused of trying to buy voters. Whether you vote as a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Tea Party activist, or something else, the results will be much the same. We will likely remain a divided nation on issues of religion, economics, national defense, education, gun legislation, immigration, and health care. Party politics can become bipartisan very quickly, the product of a new generation that is seen as increasingly fractured. Warhawks are seen as a threat to peace on earth, and welfare reform is said to create one dependent generation after another. Because of politics, more and more American citizens now fear we will never again see ourselves as a united nation. And they may be right. If the desire for power corrupts our politics, then the decency and compassion and fair play we want in our society may very well go the way of the horse and buggy. Jesus told us to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. In this life, there will always be powers over us, 
and we won't necessarily agree with them. But God wants us to know that, good or bad, they help to keep law and order. In heaven, we won't have to worry about that. There will be no politics because Jesus will be our sovereign king. And that's a great reason to plan on being in heaven. What are you afraid of? I mean, really afraid of. Things that go bump in the night? Things that make you scream and then freeze up? Things you don't really want to admit to strangers and would be embarrassed, quite frankly, to have your friends know about. In heaven, we won't have to worry about such things anymore because all our fears will be a thing of the past, gone forever. In the world of psychology, we often refer to these fears as phobias. They are the irrational feelings that make us push the panic button and want to run and hide. The deepest, darkest, most daunting anxieties that give us a knot in the pit of our stomach, increase our heart rate, and generally make our lives miserable. We all know the more common phobias like fear of water, aquaphobia, or heights, acrophobia, or the dark, nyctophobia. And of course, there are some people who are afraid of creepy, crawly, squirmy creatures like snakes, ophidiophobia, and spiders, arachnophobia, and worms, scoliosophobia. We're afraid of needles, the sight of blood, and dentists. We fear technology, which is called technophobia. There's fear of the color purple, porphyrophobia, that's bizarre. Fear of sermons, homilophobia, and there's even a fear of fear. We call it phobophobia. No kidding. For some of us, the worst fear of all is the fear we face of being alone. We're afraid of not being wanted or needed or loved. And if we're older, we're afraid our bodies will deteriorate and break down. Of course, most people are afraid to die. But one day soon, these fears that plague us will all be over. When Jesus comes again, he will wipe away our fears along with all our pain and sadness and tears. That's a great reason to go to heaven, don't you think? John says, perfect love will cast out all fear. 1 John four eighteen. Wow, with all that to look forward to, we don't need to be afraid of anything, ever. God has promised that. And you can bank on it. Poor vision has always been a curse in this world. In years gone by, many children lost their eyesight because of working conditions in what we call sweatshop factories. Poor nutrition was also a major cause of eye failure in people in those days. Lack of proper treatment or surgery caused loss of eyesight and even blindness, especially in older patients. In America today, poor eyesight or blindness still affects one out of every two people. If you are nearsighted or farsighted or have astigmatism, cataracts, glaucoma, or maybe a detached retina, you can relate. Such eye damage can be caused by accidents and poor lighting, intense eye strain or parasites, malnutrition, and, of course, old age. To treat these conditions, we buy glasses and 
our contacts, we have surgery or take nutritional supplements. The future is not written in stone for Americans, but it's probably safe to say that the technology screens we stare at every day, all day, will one day cause visual impairment in those of us who abuse such things. It's inevitable. TVs and computer screens, iPads, and of course, phones are the enemy then. When I was a young man of 17, I needed to get glasses, but I didn't want to admit it, so I suffered from poor eyesight for months. Many of us are like that spiritually. We know what is right and wrong, but we don't want to do what God asks us to do. Jesus diagnoses our condition accurately, as he did for the Pharisees when he said, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. John 9:41. Someday soon, we will all get a chance to go to heaven. And when we do, no one will suffer from poor eyesight or cataracts or detached retinas. We will be brand new creatures in Jesus. And we won't be spiritually blind either. For all things will, will be made plain to us on that amazing day to come. What an exciting day that will be. That's yet another great reason to go to heaven. What's the number one killer today in the United States and Canada? Cancer. It's nobody's friend and everybody's enemy. Nearly 600,000 people in America die every year due to cancer and causes of cancer. There are at least 100 kinds of cancer known to the human race, and we seem to be discovering more every day. The most common cancers are found in the colon, breast, and prostate. We are quite sure now that cancer of the colon is caused by bad eating habits, but it's less clear why the number of women contracting breast cancer is on the rise. And the same can be said of prostate cancer in men. Medical science is ever on the quest to find cures for cancer. And to date, it appears we now have over 800 medications and procedures in the hopper, many of them quite specific as to which kind of cancer they will eliminate. Chemotherapy is one of the oldest methods that floods the human body with chemicals to destroy the cancer. Radiation is a little more direct because it targets the area of the body in question and then literally cooks the cancer cells to death. And of course, there is plain old surgery to cut out the offending cancerous tissues. One of the latest treatments for cancer focuses on immunotherapy. This treatment helps the body make its own antibodies that receive the DNA imprint of specific cancer cells, which are then unleashed in the human body to find and destroy those cancer cells. Cancer is like sin. It's silent and insidious, often giving its victims only days to live. Other times, it takes our bodies slowly, causing pain and disabilities that linger for years. And like cancer, sin has a cure. It's Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12 That's pretty cool. Someday soon, Jesus will burst through the clouds of heaven with his cure for cancer and sin and all the other bad things that plague us in this old world. We have his guarantee, and that's another terrific reason to go to heaven. Have you ever won a contest on the radio or TV? 
Or maybe you entered your name in a drawing at the grocery store or county fair. Have you ever bought a lottery ticket? How about playing cards with your friends for money? Or maybe at a casino? Don't answer that on the grounds that it may incriminate you. Gambling is illegal in most states, at least the old-fashioned kind. Traditionally, the U.S. government has allowed professional gambling in places like Las Vegas, Nevada, or Atlantic City, New Jersey. It's big business. In 2013 alone, gambling in the United States consumed nearly $120 billion of our hard-earned dollars. Men are two or three times more likely to gamble than women, and people who make a better living are half as likely to gamble as people below the poverty level. Trends in gambling show that people who drink alcohol are 23 times more likely to gamble than those who don't drink. 80% of adult Americans gamble at least once a year. Young people between the ages of 20 and 30 have the highest rates of gambling, and those who live in a college setting are twice as likely to develop a problem with gambling. Gambling can become pathological too, which brings on a whole raft of other problems. For example, it's estimated that 50% of those who gamble commit crimes to support their habit. Paul tells us to be careful when it comes to money and gambling. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6.10 Very sad, very true, but God has good news for all of us. In heaven, gambling won't be a problem because money won't be an issue and greed will not exist. Gamblers won't barter away their homes and bank accounts in the New Jerusalem. No casinos will line those streets of gold. We'll have everything we need. And that's a great reason to go to heaven. Praise God. One of the best things about heaven will be the happy families that live together in peace and harmony. No more separations between husbands and wives. No more marriage annulments or divorces. No more broken homes. No more cohabiting charades between consenting adults. These kinds of relationships are damaging to families and to the human race. If the family is the foundation of society, then broken homes are the demise of it. And we see that everywhere in the world today. Current research in America tells us that 55% of children live in a fractured home. A report by the American Psychological Association on Divorce Statistics suggests that 40 to 50% of all married couples in the United States will eventually separate and then divorce. Those who live together before marriage have 40% chance of becoming divorced compared to 20% for those who do not live together. These are sobering numbers, due in part to the lack of commitment for the marriage relationship. But it's not all bad news. God created Adam and Eve in his image and then married them for eternity. It was the divine standard then and still is today. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother to be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Ephesians 5, 31. Someday soon, those of us who love Jesus will be restored to our heavenly home. Divorces and broken homes will be a thing of the past. Families will celebrate the gift of eternal life together. Children will be happy and secure as they join their parents on the sea of glass to worship their Creator. 
brothers and sisters. We'll have picnics under the tree of life and travel the galaxies together. What an exciting promise. And that's another reason to go to heaven. There's no more secure feeling than going home, whether it's to a rented apartment or house or cabin in the woods. Home is the place where we lay our head each night. Unless, of course, you're a homeless person. In that case, home might be a park bench, a cardboard box, or under a bridge. For homeless victims, a shelter might be able to provide a bowl of soup and a bed for a few nights, but eventually they'll end up back on the streets. The data is not always reliable, but estimates tell us there may be as many as 1.6 million homeless people in America today. Most of these victims are at this stage in their life due to misfortune of some sort. It may be the loss of a job that put them out of house and home. It might be overwhelming debt or divorce, alcohol addiction, or drugs. They may be war veterans. Far more often, though, it is due to circumstances surrounding mental health. Such folks don't usually develop mental health problems because they are homeless. They become homeless because they are already mentally unstable. But there's a day coming when no one will be homeless. We'll all have luxury condo suites on Main Street in heaven. And if we want, we'll have a mansion or chalet or plantation spread along the river of life. No more mavericks moving from place to place. No more homeless vagrants. Never again will people wander streets in the dead of winter without proper housing or food or medical care. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 2 Corinthians 5.1 Just think of it. Everything will be perfect in our heavenly home. Those who accept Jesus' invitation to eternal life will have a home that compares with nothing this side of the pearly gates. That's a very good reason to go to heaven, don't you think? Time has a way of changing us. We can hope for the best, of course, but... In the beauty department, that's not usually the way it goes. We don't eat like we should, so we put on more flab. We don't exercise, and that makes us lose our shape and skin tone. We have more responsibilities and more anxieties, and that brings us tons of wrinkles. But it's not what we want, and if we could turn back the clock of time, we would do it. What a shame. We spend all the years of our youth trying to become an adult, and when we get there, we spend the rest of our life trying to get young again. Crazy, isn't it? We trade away the carefree days of youth for a bunch of wrinkles, sagging muscles, and bags under our eyes. But we can fix all that, we say. Tighten those sagging tissues. Stretch the wrinkles. Get a tummy tuck. Yank spider veins. Do cosmetic laser surgery to remove unsightly facial spots. It's exciting to see the new you in the mirror staring back at yourself. Unfortunately, there's a downside to all this. It never lasts, and that's where the promises of heaven come in. One day soon, all this nonsense about cosmetic surgeries will end. You won't have to worry about whether insurance is going to pay for the surgery or that procedure because you will have just been given the jolt of your life. A new body that looks like the old you from the days gone by.
Job 33, 25 tells us that when God grants us eternal life one day soon, he will do more than just let us live forever. He will make us eternally young. Our skin will be youthful like that of a child, and our looks will return to the days of our youth. In other words, when we look in the mirror, we will see no flab, no cellulite, no age spots, no double or triple chins, only tight skin, firm abs, and nice curves. Think that's a great reason to go to heaven? You better believe it. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A zookeeper? A fireman? A nurse? How about a lawyer? Not many kids think of that one or even know what lawyers do for that matter. Most people think lawyers spend their time in courtrooms defending innocent people or prosecuting criminals. And some lawyers do that, but there are many other kinds of lawyers too, like personal injury lawyers, family divorce lawyers, and attorneys that practice corporate law. There are lawyers who work in estate planning, property laws, employment, and of course, child custody cases. Movies and TV portray the life of criminal lawyers as fairly glamorous, but this is far from the truth. Criminal lawyers only spend a fraction of their time in courtrooms. They also examine crime scenes, collect evidence, interview witnesses, conduct legal research, create exhibits for demonstrations in court, and prepare for opposing lawyers' arguments. And what about lawyers who have to defend known criminals? Someone has to do it, we might say. But it should be no surprise that surveys tell us lawyers are among the professions people trust least. Even so, whether good or bad, lawyers perform a valuable service in our society because they help keep us civilized in a world that's becoming increasingly evil. Someday soon, we will inherit the earth made new. But in the great hereafter, we won't need lawyers. Why? Because though we were sinners, Jesus paid our debt with his life. And then amazingly, chose to become our divine defense attorney. Satan would incriminate us as co-conspirators with him, but because we have asked Jesus to cleanse us, he has already covered us with his robe of righteousness. When we finally see him face to face on that sea of glass, we will fall to our knees and thank him. O oh Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. Lamentations 3.58 And that is another great reason to go to heaven. We used to call it sugar diabetes, a disease caused by little or no insulin being produced in the pancreas. Insulin helps regulate the glucose levels in the bloodstream, a critical need for the metabolic processes of the human body. So a lack of it means trouble. Without insulin, the body goes into shock, and death is the inevitable result. Traditionally, we have feared type 1 diabetes, a condition in which the pancreas produces no insulin at all. However, type 2 diabetes, in which the body produces some insulin, is more prevalent now than type 1. The eating habits of America have changed dramatically in the last few decades, and many think this is part of the cause for one of the worst epidemics in history. Type 2, diabetes. It's clear now that the increased consumption of processed sugars in foods and drink is impacting the numbers of people with the disease. 
The older we get, the more likely we are to get the disease. But young people today are susceptible to it too. According to the American Center for Disease Control, 9% of Americans have type 1 diabetes, and a shocking 86 million Americans are pre-diabetics. Pre-diabetes is a condition in which blood sugar levels are higher than normal, but not yet high enough to be classified as type 2 diabetes. However, if untreated, within 10 years, pre-diabetics are likely to develop into type 2 diabetics. If this trend continues, by the year 2050, it is estimated that one in three will have the disease. Someday soon, diabetes of all kinds will be a thing of the past. When we reach heaven, our bodies will be perfect, and so will our diets. In the meantime, we can work on improving our diets. It's not easy, but if we ask God, he will help us do this. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. Psalms 107.13 What a great reason to go to heaven. Have you ever had a best friend? Maybe at school or work or a next-door neighbor? And of course, sometimes friendships come in sets of three. The three of you do everything together, and the circle gets tighter. You can tell each other anything, share your deepest, most cherished secrets, and go to each other in times of greatest pain or joy. The friendship is so special, you vow together to never let it end. Now, how do you feel when those friendships are threatened? How do you react if someone tries to push their way into your inner circle, or maybe even tries to break up one of your friendships? It's a common episode among friends, and one that can be quite painful. It can be, in fact, one of the most devastating experiences in life, especially for girls or women. But it's only fair to take a look at the other side of the coin, too. What if you have been the one to threaten a close-knit friendship like that? Ouch. If we are expecting to inherit the kingdom of God, we should play nice. Whether we've been on the receiving end of such treatment or the one giving it, it's not fun. No one likes to be snubbed, and no one likes a troublemaker who tries to push their way into an established friendship either. King Solomon said a righteous person should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 12:26. In heaven, we won't have to watch our back to preserve friendships. Heaven will be a perfect place where everyone will be friends and at peace with one another. Old friends will be reunited. New friendships will be made. And there will be no social cliques or exclusive friendship clubs. Of course, we will probably have some friends who are closer than others. After all, we're only human. But one thing is sure. When we make a friend in heaven, it will be a forever friend. And that's another good reason to go to heaven. Since the dawn of modern science, we have become increasingly aware that bacteria and viruses are all around us. Good ones and bad ones. We're not too worried about the good ones. In fact, the good ones are necessary for life as we know it on this planet. It's the bad ones to which we'd like to say adios. And in heaven, that's exactly what we'll be doing. However, for now, we're stuck with these little monsters. We sometimes call bacteria germs, but the vast majority are very helpful to the ecology of the world. Without them, life on Earth wouldn't be possible. Some fight pollution by breaking up oil spills. 
Some help keep the pH in garden soil healthy. Some boost our immune systems, keep us slim, help us fight colon cancer, and detox the poison in our bodies. 90% of all bacteria are good in this world, but the 10% that are harmful cause all kinds of diseases. Staph infections, meningitis, pneumonia, tuberculosis, cholera, dysentery, anthrax, and bubonic plague are some of the most life-threatening diseases known to mankind, and they are all caused by bacteria. Viruses are much smaller and not actually living creatures. They are non-living crystals dressed in a protein coat and must invade other organisms to replicate themselves so they can survive. Viruses are responsible for the development of simple illnesses such as the common cold, flu, and warts. They can also cause severe illnesses like HIV, AIDS, smallpox, and Ebola. In heaven, all bad bacteria and viruses will be gone. Like sin, they cannot survive in the presence of a holy God, so they will become extinct. The Bible tells us the Lord will keep you and me free from every disease. Deuteronomy 7, verse 15. Very cool. I'm looking forward to that blessing on the resurrection morning. And that's another great reason to go to heaven. Since the days of Adam and Eve, children have been rebelling against their parents. And no wonder. The first couple themselves rebelled against God, their creator. Cain followed their example and killed his brother. Esau rebelled against Isaac and Rebekah to marry pagan wives. Jacob's sons rebelled against their father and sold Joseph into slavery. Absalom and then Adonijah tried to steal their father David's throne. And today we see things are not getting better generationally. The rudeness and contempt many children show their parents is bordering on the ridiculous. Children are more disrespectful of their parents than ever before, and the media isn't helping any. Many sitcoms and movies make disrespect against parents a cool thing. And the courts of our land have gone overboard in an effort to assert the rights of children. Young people take their parents to court to receive premature settlements on real estate property, financial trusts, and wills. College students are suing their parents for tuition fees, and children are even suing their parents for bringing them into this world. What a mess our world has become, and disrespectful children are a big part of the problem. The Bible says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. Exodus 20, verse 13. If you are a parent, these words are encouraging. If you are a child or teenager, you can see the trouble our world is in with so little respect between kids and parents. In heaven, none of this will be a problem, and that makes heaven even more inviting. Only those who have love in their hearts for their parents will be allowed to enter the pearly gates. On its golden streets, children will thank their parents for giving them a chance at life. And that will be a really great reason to go to heaven.